Hello and welcome to the My Ministry Mission Podcast, where I'm taking you on a journey with me from unbeliever to disciple of Christ. As a Christian learning in the faith, I try to tackle challenging and difficult topics, and I want to share with you what I've discovered as I seek a position of ministry in my life. I'd love to hear from you, so join me online at myministrymission.com or find my social media links in the show notes. My name is Jason, and this is my mission. Welcome to the My Ministry Mission Podcast. Being a new Christian was a little overwhelming for me, so when I started thinking about what to discuss next on this show, I started to think about some of the challenges I ran into understanding what it means to be a Christian. Questions about God's love and God's forgiveness, the Great Commandment versus the Great Commission, how Christianity changes us, understanding prayer, and so much more. In this episode, I'll share what I've learned about some of that stuff, and whether you're a newly saved Christian or you've been a Christian all your life, I hope this episode will be insightful and relevant to your journey and God's mission for you. I'll kick off this episode talking through God's love and God's forgiveness. When I first started wrapping my mind around the way that God loves us, perfectly and all the time, It started to show me how inadequate my own heart can be. God's love is not conditional. He loves us whether we're obedient, the same as when we're not. And there aren't varying degrees to his heart. If we take this a step further and consider our salvation, it's important to acknowledge both the love of God and of Jesus Christ. So Christ's love is evidenced by his willingness to die for us. And God's love is evidenced by his willingness to send us Jesus Christ, which we learn in Romans 5.8. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now we know God and Jesus loves us. What's next? Knowing this is only the first step. Next, we have to transition that knowing into an understanding and acceptance. We have to accept God's love. We have to accept the sacrifice Jesus made. We have to embrace this sacrifice and confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Matthew Henry's commentary explains that this confession must include faith in the heart as the foundation. So when I say we have to embrace the sacrifice, that means the words and actions aren't enough. We have to truly embrace it. Let it fill our hearts and our souls with the love of God through the sacrifice of Christ. When this happens, it seems like we can't help but love and trust God in return because God is love. God is trust. God is truth. And once we accept this, God lives within us. Look at 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whatever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So I'd like to take just a moment to reflect also on 1 Corinthians 13.13, which teaches us that love is the greatest of all. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is such a simple yet powerful verse. We gain faith that God is with us that God will provide. We gain hope of an eternal life, of an incorruptible inheritance, and we gain love that will never end in the greatest perfection of God. I don't know if anyone listening to the show, to this episode, remembers the show, the TV show Touched by an Angel, but I think one of the reasons why it was so popular amongst its fans was because every week, Roma Downey, John Dye, and Della Reese looked into the camera and reminded the world that God loves you, and it was a comforting message. So if anyone needs to hear this right now, God loves you. No matter what season of life you are in, 
no matter what you may be struggling with, please remember that God loves you. So this ties into forgiveness. Now, our pastor talks about root sin, which is a sin that other sins spring from. So I'm going to suggest that God's blessings are root blessings. Uh, Love is definitely one of these. When the seed of love is planted, what grows from it? We've talked about faith and hope. But we also gain compassion, understanding, patience, sacrifice, forgiveness. Love teaches the ignorant. It clothes the naked. It feeds the hungry. It protects the innocent. And the love is the driving force of God's goodness. Love is why Jesus died for our sins. Love is what can help us with our own forgiveness of others and of ourself. Forgiveness has always been God's plan, which is why he sent his only son to live a perfect life and spill his blood for our sins. God created us. He knows what we are. He knows we're prone to sin, but his love led to our redemption. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Psalm 86, 5. God's forgiveness is a gift. Now, he didn't have to do it, but he did. However, just like God's love, we have to choose to accept this gift. Once we have been given forgiveness through Jesus Christ, we can't lose it. Now, we can choose to regret, uh, to reject it. We can always turn our face from God, but we confess our sins and repent. We will always have forgiveness. Every day we are renewed. One of my favorite verses is Lamentations three twenty-two through 23 which goes like this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That last line, great is your faithfulness, that's referring to God's faithfulness. It is great and unwavering. Ours, our faithfulness will waver at times, but God's never does. Through Jesus Christ, we also have the promise of eternal life. But there are benefits to God's forgiveness here on earth. It fills us with peace, hope, and joy that nothing can take away. As Lamentations 3 tells us, we are renewed every day. We have to accept it, but we are renewed every day. Our old life of being a spiritual orphan ends when we accept Jesus Christ, and we are reborn as children of God with a place in heaven. God's love and our forgiveness, they go hand in hand. Okay, I'm going to move this on to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And maybe you've heard of this phrase, don't trample on the Great Commandment to obey the Great Commission. So what are these and what does this mean? In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, one of the Pharisees challenged Jesus by asking him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this was a tricky question because the rabbis of the time determined there were 613 laws in the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. But Jesus rose to the task, and in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, he said the following, You shall love your Lord God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The great commandment is to love God above all else and love your neighbor as yourself. If you continue reading through Matthew 22, you'll notice there was no debate over this answer. Like Jesus nailed it. He knocked it out of the park. Before Jesus died, he took this commandment just a little further, which we find in John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Hopefully the Great Commandment makes sense. This brings me to the next one, the Great Commission, which comes at the end of Matthew after Jesus was resurrected. He told them, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18-20. The Great Commission is also found in like Mark 16, 15-8, uh, Luke 24, verse 44-49, through 49, John 20, verses 19-23, through 23, and Acts 1-8. Jesus asked his followers to go out and make disciples of all nations, to be his witness to the end of the earth, to be witnesses of all he did. And he did so with ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. The Great Commission was to spread the message of Jesus, the message that Jesus taught us, to carry on the work God started by sending us, Jesus Christ. And this remains our Great Commission to this day. When it comes to these two, we are to put precedence on the Great Commandment above the Great Commission. Love God and your neighbor, and then spread the word. Why? Because we cannot fulfill the Great Commission until we are first filled with God's love, and our love for Him compels us to live our lives as disciples. So I'll end this segment with the following question. Are you following the Great Commandment? How about the Great Commission? If you've gone from a non-believer to a disciple of Christ, you may experience changes, and others will probably notice a change in you. Now, why is that? So when we are saved, we become a beloved child of God and become part of his eternal family. God adopts you as a son or daughter. See John 1, uh, sorry, John 1, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or the will of the man, but of God. You saw so in Romans 8.16, the Spirit of himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When we become a child of God, we are also filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit, and we belong to God at that point. He is our Father, we are his children, he owns us. So, uh, Ephesians 1, 13-14 reads, In him you also, when you he heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who guaranteed of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You are born again, created in Christ, and your sins are forgiven. This leads to having an eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. We are guaranteed this eternal life. All this adds up, and we, as a result, we gain sort of a renewed sense of who we are as children of God. And I think that has an effect on how we behave. Maybe not at first, but I noticed I worked harder to model Christ-like behavior. I worked harder to forgive others, and I tossed aside some of my old behaviors because they were very not Christ-like. Suddenly, I was aware that my Heavenly Father was watching me. For me, being baptized truly felt like a rebirth and I wanted to honor my father. This, unfortunately, sometimes leads to sacrifice. Which brings me to my next point. Christianity usually has a cost. Luke 9.23 talks about this. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever saves his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So wait a minute. Did that just say I have to lose my life to be a Christian? Okay, there are places in this world, unfortunately, where Christians are still persecuted, sometimes to the loss of life. But for the most part, that's hyperbolic. In broader terms, that means that you have to let your old self die and be reborn into the new life living in Christ. Living in Christ means you worship God and only God. No more idolatry. It means you don't worship the money you make. You don't worship the car you drive. You don't worship the education that you value. 
it's okay to appreciate the good things in life. It's okay to enjoy things in life. But when you do, don't let that become your focus. Let your focus be, thank you, God, for giving me these great gifts. Thank you, God, for giving me the talent to have this job and to make the money that I make to support my family and support my church and my community. So if you're not worshiping God, then you're not obeying the great command. Love God first. Sometimes friends and family won't understand that, and they will either get angry or walk out of your life. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you have to love them. That's part of the great commandment. Uh, maybe your job requires you to compromise your new Christian values, and refusing to obey your boss over God might cost you your job. There's usually some cost to being a Christian. But what we gain far outweighs anything we could lose. We gain eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. We gain the Holy Spirit here on earth. We gain the support of God as our Father. So don't worry about the things you're going to lose. Just praise God for the things that you're going to gain. As a Christ follower, prayer is an essential part of what we do, right? But why? How does prayer benefit us? Well, to start, the time we spend in prayer is like our own private meeting with God. We spend time in church, and that's good for building our knowledge, for building a community, and, you know, most importantly, worshiping and honoring God. But prayer puts focus on our personal relationship with God. And that's very important. Prayer is how we enlist God's help. You know, we know God is everywhere, all-knowing, all-powerful. He knows. He already knows when we need help. But sometimes God wants us to ask for it when we're ready. This also keeps us humble. So sometimes we need to hit that wall and accept our limits before God is willing to step in to remind us that we have those limits and where to find them. God loves us enough to let us try on our own first. Prayer is also where we can be, where we can personally confess our sins and ask for God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We all try to do our best, uh, but we're not perfect. We sin. Taking time in prayer to ask for God's forgiveness also reminds us that it's okay to forgive ourselves too. We also know that God's, with God's help, we can forgive others who have hurt us or wronged us. And I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling particularly weak, I pray for God's strength. I feel, and I feel better afterwards. God fills us with strength through prayer. Sometimes God changes our perspective as we pray for strength. God can also change our attitudes about a situation during prayer and help us to understand ourselves better. Prayer inspires hope, reduces stress, strengthens our faith. It even improves health. Yes, there are scientific studies that show that regular prayer is an important factor in living a long and healthier life. I'll tell you what prayer isn't, though. It's not a formula or a ritual that you have to do a certain way every time. We don't have to spend a certain amount of time praying. We don't have to say the right words or anything like that. You don't have to pray at a certain time every day. You don't have to sit, kneel, etc. You can pray any time, day or night, in any situation. I prefer to kneel next to my bed when I pray at night. But if I'm in a car driving down the road and I see a first responder at an accident or heading down the road with the lights and sirens on, I'm going to say a little prayer to the Lord and, you know, ask the Lord to help these people. Prayer is an invitation for us to come before our Heavenly Father who knows our needs. He knows our souls. He knew us before we were created. As I mentioned before, prayer is our own personal meeting with the Lord. It's our way of communicating to God and with God. Prayer can include praise to the Lord or just quiet time before Him. I remember in some of my earlier days as you know, being a Christian after I converted, I was struggling with some issues. So I would take a walk, end up at the park, sitting next to the pond, just closed my eyes and spent time quietly with the Lord, thinking of the Lord. 
and it was peaceful and restorative. Prayer is a way for us to ask God to change our hearts or telling God what we need or what we think we need. Prayer is showing gratitude for our blessings. It's presenting others to the Lord, asking for guidance or asking for empowerment and strength. Praying turns our heart towards God and keeps us focused on our duty as Christ followers. Prayer can take many forms, but if we boil it down to just one purpose, it would be our opportunity to speak to God. So how do we pray? There are actually several scriptures in the Bible that tell us how to pray. I'll go through a couple of them, but not all of them. We'll start with Matthew 6, uh, verses 5, 5 and 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's break this down for a little bit. First, Matthew 6, 5 is telling us not to pray like the hypocrites, meaning many of the religious leaders of that time would pray in public to be seen as righteous by others. Their prayers were intended to be seen by men, not heard by God, a way to impress others with their righteousness. And they receive the reward by being seen and being heard and being revered by others, but not by God. Jesus is telling us that we should pray to be heard by God. So in Matthew 6, verse 6, he's telling us to go meet God in private and pray. Jesus was not condoning public prayer. His purpose was to teach us the reason why we pray should be so that we are heard by God, not to impress anyone else. Now, I'll admit, I feel a little awkward when I try to pray in group settings still today. So when I do, I try to remind myself of Matthew 6. The only one listening to my prayer that I should be concerned with is God, not the rest of my group. I suggest you do the same. If you are praying over a meal in a small group or with some friends, speak from your heart directly to God, not the people around you. In contrast, we have James 5.15, which says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So Jesus told us to hide in our bedrooms and pray, and James is now telling us to go and pray and confess to one another. So which is it? Well, it's actually both. So (laughs) the purpose of James is to talk about how sin and the enemy want us isolated. So while Jesus is reminding us who our true audience is, James is also teaching us that we are strong in numbers and we can confess to one another so that we are not set apart by our sin. Now this should be done with discretion because an unwise confession of sin can lead to more sin. So keep that in mind. So how should we structure your prayer? There's tons of information on Google if you if you search for this. You'll find acronyms like ACTS, A-C-T-S, which stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. This structure tells you that the first we the first thing is to show your adoration for God and praise who he is. Then admit your sins to yourself and to God, confession. Then we move on to God, you know, thanking God for what he's done in our lives, Thanksgiving. And finally, remember to ask for other people's needs, which is supplication. It's a good way to, uh, to put a simple prayer together. You'll find other ones like the Hearth Method, which stands for honor God with your praise, examine your life, ask for help or needs, request for others, and thank God, H-E-A-R-T-H. Or you might find one that's called Pray, P-R-A-Y, which stands for praise, repent, ask, yield. There's quite a few of these, um, but they all seem to be modeled somewhat after the Lord's Prayer to some degree. Which takes us me back. Which takes us back to Matthew six, verse nineteen. Uh, sorry, verses nine through thirteen, where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So when I started praying, I started with the Lord's Prayer for a while, and then I would start adding at the end of it the things that I wanted to supplement it with. Now I feel like I've got a pretty decent rhythm, and I'm more comfortable with praying. There's no right way, to be honest. Just bow your head and start talking to God. You can pause this podcast right now if you want to and do it. Actually, I'm almost done, so if you could wait, that's great. But if you're not, go ahead and pause it, and, uh, and I'll be here when you get back. I feel like there was a lot packed into this episode, but all good stuff. I hope to do more episodes like this at some point, uh, but I'm going to wrap it up here. But this was fun. It was a great opportunity for me to learn and share uh, with you. Before I finish up, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your divine goodness, for your love, for your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I ask you to bless those who are listening to this episode. Bless their families, bless their communities. Father, we thank you for your guidance and wisdom as well. And I ask that you continue to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we take comfort in our suffering because we know that you are with us at all times, preparing our rooms for us, for our eternal life in your kingdom. I pray for continued blessings as I follow your guidance on this journey you've blessed me with. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're new to Christianity and you have questions, or if you've been a Christian all your life and you want to turn me loose on a topic you've been struggling with, shoot me an email from the website, myministrymission.com. You can also send me a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash myministrymissions. I would love to get some audience engagement to help me understand where your struggles are um, most with your faith. Thank you again for joining me. My name is Jason. This is my mission. God bless. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you have any questions or comments, I urge you to visit my website at myministrymission.com. You can click the contact button or you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash myministrymission. Remember to pray and remember to love God and each other. My name is Jason and this is my mission.